Well, good morning again. My name is Pastor Milo. I'm so glad you guys are here today. We're going to talk this morning from the book of Romans. I want to start this morning by asking you a question. Most of the time, uh, here in front of the platform, there is a table, and on the front of it, there's some words inscribed on the front of this table, which is often in the front of every uh, table in, in a Baptist church anyway, and we have it off to the side today, but do you know what it normally would say inscribed on the front of that table? What would it say? This do in remembrance of me. We had communion last Sunday to be able to respond as a congregation to the words that Christ has given us. When Jesus sat down with his disciples there at the Last Supper, that was the statement that he left them with, this do in remembrance of me. And when we read in 1 Corinthians the way that uh, the Apostle Paul remembers it, he, he remembers it this way, he said, I received from the Lord, I delivered to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he betrayed, he took bread, when he gave thanks, he broke and said, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He, he was saying that this was the new covenant that he was making. Now, now the, the Jews of the day, they understood covenants because they had the Abrahamic covenant. They had the Mosaic covenant. They had the Davidic covenant. Uh, but Jesus was saying, I am making a new covenant with you that my blood was going to make this new uh, relationship between God and man. And because he was sacrificing himself for you and for me, that new covenant was going to be him as the sacrifice. But in the Gospel of John, in the verses to follow, we not only get the new covenant, but we also get a new command I give to you, is what it says in John chapter 13, 34. A new command I give to you, that you would love one another. So just like the Jews understood, not only were there the Ten Commandments, they had even more laws that they were to live by. But he was saying, here's a new command that I'm going to give to you, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We are in this sermon series called Love Can. And hopefully, as we are uh, beginning our conversation this morning, I want to remind you that, that really it's our responsibility to be loving one another. Love one another, says, as I have loved you. And then people will know that you are Christians by your love. How many remember that hymn? We'll know we are Christians by our love, by your love. My parents are here, my, my mom and dad, they flew in from Charlotte a couple of nights ago and got stranded overnight in the airport and slept for 45 minutes on a carpet floor and everything else, but they made it, they arrived. And so uh, we're glad that they're here. Uh, dad, I remember he preached, one, dad, dad was a deacon in our church, he wasn't a pastor, but he, he preached a sermon one time that I remember, the only sermon I ever remember him preaching, and he brought pots and pans from home and uh, at the beginning of the message, he started banging on that pot and on that pan. And then we started to go into uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And he said, all this, this whole conversation in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about what love is. But he said, unless you do all of this in love, the spiritual gifts that we see in the church, you sound like a, a, a gong or a banging cymbal. And the whole time he was talking about that, he was beating the pots and pans together. That is forever in my mind. I don't know if you remember teaching that. Yeah, he remembers it. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. If we can do all the things in the world, but if we have not love, we sound pretty bad. We sound pretty annoying. 
Well, I want to say there's something that we share as I talked earlier in our opening, our greeting today, that there are three things that matter to us as a church. And I'm just going to read through them really quickly. I want you to see that chapter 12 of Romans, Romans chapter 12, if you're there already, if not, get there. Uh, Your pew Bible in front of you, it's page 1188. Romans chapter 12, I'll be using the New International Version this morning, so if you're using a digital version or U version, get yourself there. New International Version of Romans chapter 12. I want to show you something exciting about the upward, inward, outward that we talk about here as a church again and again and again. You are going to see it played out for you in Romans chapter 12 beginning to end. Would you stand with us? I know we don't always do this, but I'm going to read the whole chapter for us here this morning and kind of highlight and point it out as we go. The first thing we like to say in the way that love should be demonstrated, first things first, we ought to love Christ. We say, if we want you to find your place here in church, we want you to do these three things, and you will know that you have found your place. So the first thing is this, what? It is to love Christ. Watch this, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, some versions say reasonable, worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and pleasing and perfect will. We are to love Christ. That's number one. Secondly, we are to love the church. Watch the transition that happens verse 3. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has a body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouragement, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do so diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. We want you to find your place by doing what? We want you to love Christ, first of all. Secondly, we want you to love the church. That entire passage there is about loving one another. Practice hospitality. Love the church. Friends, I hope that you love the church this morning. It may not be this building at 6301 Main Street, but I pray that you love Christ, you love the church, and then thirdly, that you would love the community. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Uh, one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Love Christ, love the church, and love the community. Dear Lord, we pray that your word will come alive this morning. We thank you for these statements, this DNA of the church that we are constantly and regularly talking about. 
Lord, as we see scripture laid out for us this morning, it's clear as day, Lord, this is what you've called each and every one of us to, not only at this church, but the church as a whole. Lord, I pray that this would be our action, Lord, that, that love would be a verb, truly, that we would, would show and demonstrate love. I pray that your word would give us some steps to take today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. So here we are in Romans chapter 12. Now, I'm not going to go through the all of chapter 12 this morning because we've already been in the sermon series on, on this chapter, Love Can. We've been here for a couple of weeks now, but I wanted to kind of give you the overview of the chapter so you kind of see the pieces as they come together. Uh, when I was in high school, I shared this with you uh, previously, that I was in a, a quartet uh, and we did a lot of different things, but um, my parents are here so I wanted to bring this out. They gave me a, the doo-wop songbook when I was about eighth grade, the doo-wop songbook. So we started out singing doo-wop songs. There's a quartet of four of us. You can see on the front of this, there's all these different quartets, all these different things. So I'll name some of the songs that we used to sing and see if you recognize these songs. Good night, sweetheart. Well, there's two of you. Thank you. All right. Good night, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Yes, that was a good one. Uh, we also sang uh, Two Silhouettes on the Shade. Not as familiar. Okay. That's okay. Uh, good night, sweetheart. I said that one. Uh, then we did some other songs that will apply to today's message. Um, this one is called The Chapel of Love. Does anyone remember that one? Because I'm going to the chapel and we're going to get... There you go. All right. So, so that, was, that was one of the songs that we would perform. And then The Book of Love. Do you recognize that one? Well, I wonder, 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 wonder who. There's one person. Yes. All right. There was someone. Yes. I was hoping for a rousing... No, it's just one of you. But okay. So if you're familiar with doo-wop, even the pictures that are on the front of this book, I know you're a long ways away, but there's always a group of guys standing around, and sometimes, depending on how the different uh, quartets would do it, there'd be one guy kind of standing to the center, and the three guys would be off the side, they'd lean in and they snap fingers, stuff like that, or everybody would be around one microphone, they'd lean in and do their oohs and ahs and back, and they'd always have some little twist or something that they would do, right? <laughs> All kinds of stuff like that. Uh, so we started out doing doo-wop songs, and then there's this uh, band in the 90s called Boys to Men, and they did a song called In the Still of the Night, so that's one of the old songs, but they did it in their own way, and so we decided, you know what, we really feel like we should be more like Boys to Men, and so those guys, they would kind of like sit and lay all over stuff while they were singing, and they would sing their song, and that would be it, and they just sang, and then... Later on in the 90s, uh, the Backstreet Boys uh, came up, and so we decided to transition ourselves to be more like them. And they were guys who sang, but they would always dance and jump all over the stage, and they would have all these different dance moves. So the reality was, is whether we did doo-wop, because we started with doo-wop, then we went to the, kind of this R&B flavor, which four white guys trying to do R&B was silly as it was, and then the Backstreet Boys... Uh, we weren't able to dance at all, so I have no idea what we were doing. <laughs> so if you go back to the beginning of things, when we were beginning with doo-wop, the reality was is that we sounded really good. We sounded really good. The irony is that the name of our quartet was Visual Harmony. I don't know. We were in eighth or ninth grade. That was the name of the band. We thought it would look good, sound good. The reality was is we sounded 
pretty good. If you heard an old recording of us, we sounded pretty good. We actually even got to do the national anthem and the Canadian national anthem at multiple Sabres games. Uh, it was a pretty big honor. We sounded really good. But even when we did the, the doo-wop songs, we all stood. I wonder, 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 wonder who, who wrote the book of love. And <laughs> And then by, <laughs> by the time that we came to the Backstreet Boys, as long as you love me, I don't care who you are, where you're from, don't care what you did, as long as you love me. <laughs> it's the best that we had. Now. Today, our kids, they like all kinds of different music, but there's a song right now named Happy. The song is Happy. Would you, would you guess how our quartet would have sung the song Happy? <laughs> because I'm happy. Clap along and sing if you are happy. Romans 12, 9 says this, and this is the New Living Translation, so it gets very literal. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Now, there's something the matter with this, the way that we sang our songs in this quartet. We sounded great, friends. We really did. We could, we could sing our harmonies, we knew our parts. But when the song says, because I'm happy, we did not look happy. Who wrote the book of love? We wonder who decided to put this quartet together is really what the question was. It doesn't make sense. Love is a verb. We must do something, act on it, actually have some excitement in our lives when it comes to doing these things. So this morning, if you've got that white sheet of paper, we're going to do some fill-ins for you this morning. I want to talk about the reality of what it looks like when we say that love can, we're saying that love can actually revolutionize our thinking. It can change the way that we look at the world. And many of you, as much as you would laugh at us as a court, if I brought the old quartet together, the reality is, is we would stand and do the exact same thing right now here on this stage, because that's all we knew how to do. Some of us are going through life with that same vanilla living in front of everyone. Here's your first fill-in for you this morning. We need to radiate love, but I'm ready to run away. <laughs> we need to radiate love. Most of us or many of you have a radiator in your house. You put it underneath the window so that when the cold air comes through the window, then the warm air gets pushed out. That, that radiator is just always warm. There's water in it. It, it's, it gets heated up and it stays warm and it begins to warm your house. If you're listening this morning and you're a guest from somewhere else in the country or if you happen to listen to our podcast and you don't live in this area, like a radiator is not something that you have. But I'll tell you, homes with radiant heat are warm. They stay warm for a long time. It, it helps a lot because that radiator just constantly releases heat and it just radiates out of the radiator. And as we, as we look at Scripture, we say, what does it look like for us to love one another and for us to live love out in front of us? It's, it's this radiation of love for us to be able to continue to demonstrate love to one another. So verse 9 says this, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. 
And there's all of these imperatives that are given. This is what it looks like for love actually to radiate out of a person. You hate what is evil. You cling to what is good. You're devoted to each other. You honor one another. You're never lacking in zeal, but you keep spiritual fervor. You are serving the Lord. You are joyful. You are patient. You are faithful in prayer. You practice hospitality. This is what it looks like to love people. And this morning, some of you are looking at this passage, and the second half of that statement makes a lot more sense to you. That's what resonates with you. When I hear those statements, when I hear those commands, when the Apostle Paul is telling me to do these things, all I want to do is run away. Because it's scary. It makes me uncomfortable. Because when I love someone in that way, it makes me vulnerable. Here's your second fill-in. We know that we should let go, but I want to hold on. Continuing on. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. That quartet lived in harmony with one another musically, but I don't know if we were very good at the other stuff. The reality is, is we need to be able to let go of things we planted a church in North Tonawanda, Renewal Church. Some of you live in North Tonawanda, and you know that there's a difference between North Tonawanda and Tonawanda. There's, there's this thing called the Erie Canal that goes right through the center of the Tonawandas. If you live on the north side, you are more of a blue-collar town. The south side, you are more of a town that affiliates with the city of Buffalo. That's the kind of the relationship that I've learned there over the years. And I asked some of the old-timers, I said, do you know about the, why there's this kind of divide between the Tonawandas? And he explained to me, he said, it goes back pretty far. And he still kind of gritted his teeth when he said it. He said it was when they dug that Erie Canal. I was like, what? He, he wasn't there. He, like, what do you mean when he dug the Erie Canal? So what happened is when they dug the Erie Canal through the Tonawandas, what happened is as they dug through it on the south side of the Erie Canal, that, which is Erie County, they worked out and negotiated a deal that on the south side, all of the gravel that came out of that channel could be used in the Tonawanda side to be able to put in roads and infrastructure on that side. And on the north side, which they are known as the Lumber City, that they were going to use all the wood that was coming from uh, all the different uh, uh, places there in, in North Tonawanda, that all of that wood was going to be used to build the ships and the, the different uh, uh, boats that were going to go up and down the canal. That was the agreement that they had. Well, it didn't take very long that on the south side of the canal, they had infrastructure for a city to grow. On the north side of the canal, it was a muddy mess, and they were bringing all the shipping back and forth with all the lumber. And a and, and hundred years later, I have a man gritting his teeth telling me, oh, it's that Erie Canal. <laughs> Would you agree that he might need to let go of it a little bit? We should let go. But I want to hold on. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, it says, live at peace with everyone. Here's your next fill-in. We can overcome, but I'm still overwhelmed. We can overcome, but I'm still overwhelmed. Listen to the imperatives, the statements, the commands that are given here. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, mine is to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. 
On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, we'll feed him. If he is thirsty, we'll give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now that is an overwhelming statement. Those commands are not easy to live out. And some of you are trying to live these out in a very difficult circumstance. We, we prayed for marriages early in, in the sermon. And some of you are going through some really painful times. And when we tell you just love him through it or love her through it, your wife will come back to you. Just keep loving her through it. It's a lot more difficult when you're going through it, friends. It's a lot more difficult to not be overwhelmed. It's a lot more difficult to, to really grab a hold of that last statement, overcoming evil with good. There are times uh, in the week, a lot of times around VBS or some of our special events where we're doing a lot of work in the building. We're, we're just, we're, we're adjusting stuff around, we're painting, we're doing a lot of work. And I find myself sometimes on those days, literally, it seems like it's always in the sanctuary where I'm going out the back door and I realize there's something that I needed from the platform. So I turn around and I start going back to the platform and I realize, wait, I need to hammer or something. And I literally get halfway down this aisle and I'm, and I'm stuck in between. I can't figure out what to do. I'm overwhelmed in the process. And there are times that some of us are, are really living that out in our lives where, where we become frozen. Indecision grabs a hold of us. It's actually not that uncommon to have a car accident where there's a fork in the road and a person can't decide which side they're going to turn, left or right, left or right, and the next thing you know, they crash the car right in the center of the, of the fork. You see, love can revolutionize our thinking. That's your next fill-in. Love can revolutionize our thinking. You hear revolutionize and you might be thinking, okay, that sounds like an infomercial. Like I used to put my pots and pans away this way and they show the black and white version of the woman who's like pulls all of her pots and pans fall on her in the kitchen. She's like, I just don't know how to do it. And then someone comes on and says, well, you've been doing it the wrong way. Let me revolutionize how you've been doing this, right? But let's look at it scripturally. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Excuse me, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those of us who were with, there six years ago, we planted a church in North Tonawanda that we call Renewal Church. That came out of this verse. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the revolutionizing of your mind, the changing, the adapting, the, the making what is old and worn out, making it new again. Be transformed. Craig Rochelle is a pastor who I got this illustration from, and it's just a beautiful illustration using this verse. If you took a Nerf football and you squeezed it together and you jammed it into a glass and it's got a new shape, what would happen if you reached into that glass, grabbed the Nerf football, and pulled it out? What happens? It pops back into the shape of a Nerf football because it was what? It was conformed into the shape of that glass and jammed into it. It was conformed. But Scripture here tells us, no, don't be conformed, but be transformed into something entirely new. So when we say this morning that love can revolutionize our thinking, what happens as we look at these same passages of Scripture, we look at the same imperatives that are given to us in Scripture, and, and we transform the, the way that our mind looks at those things. We revolutionize the way that our mind looks at these things. Look at these same verses with these different fill-ins for you this morning. Look at it this way. I am ready to run away 
but we will radiate love. Do you see the difference? I'm ready to run away. I'm ready to run away. When you tell me to hate what is evil, cling to what is good, you tell me to honor one another above myself, you tell me to never be lacking in zeal, you tell me to never lose my spiritual fervor, you tell me to be joyful and patient and faithful, and you tell me to practice hospitality, I'm ready to run away, but we will radiate love. You see what happens when we revolutionize your thinking, when you revolutionize your thinking, what happens is you also prioritize your living. When you revolutionize your thinking, you prioritize your living. And what happens, you look at chapter 12, as we looked at earlier, and you say, first things first, I will love Christ. And then I will love the church. And then I will love the community, both our local community, our global community. I will learn to love those who are far, far away from Christ. Tozer gives a great quote that comes to mind every time this passage comes up. And he, and he says this, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing. Prioritizing your life in a way that understands Christ is first. The church is second and the community, then I can go out to the community empowered to do so, revolutionizing your thinking so that when I'm ready to run away, instead, I will learn how to radiate love. I'm also using different terms here as well. If you look, you will see I'm ready to run away, but we will radiate love. Because reality is, is we don't have the strength in and of ourselves. That's why we go first to Christ and ask him to give us strength. And then second, we say, I need some other, other people in the battle here with me. I need some other soldiers in the fight. So we will radiate love. Your next fill-in. I still want to hold on, but we will let go. I still want to hold on to that bitterness. I still want to hold on to that pride. I still want to hold on to that selfishness of my way is the way that we're going to do things. I still want to hold on to those things, but we understand that we will let go and we will move forward. Verse 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is in the right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, as a plural you, meaning if you're from the South, it says, as, as far as it depends on y'all, <laughs> live at peace with everyone. As, as long as you're part of this church, and as long as you're part of this congregation, as long as you are a follower of Christ, we will get along. As long as you're a part of this Christ, we will live at peace with everyone, even though I still want to hold on. I understand it's my responsibility. My thinking has changed to live at peace. Third fill-in, you could probably guess, I'm still overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed, but we will overcome. I'm still overwhelmed, but we will overcome. I think it's important for us to see this in this passage because when you hear all of these statements, one after another, the way that we are commanded to live our lives, the way that we are commanded to love one another, the way we are commanded to heap up coals on someone else's head by loving them, it seems absolutely impossible. And so what happens when we think that something is absolutely impossible, we do not even take a step because we're overwhelmed. 
So understanding that living all of these things out in and of themselves is an impossible task. But knowing that the church as a whole is called to this. The fellow believers in Christ, we are called to this. You will be overwhelmed, yes, but we will overcome. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Even within your homes, your kids are squabbling in the backyard and you tell one of them, hey, your enemy, your brother, is thirsty, give him something to drink. How often does that happen? How often does that go well? Here you go. Right? Give him something to eat. And the next you know, the older brother or sister is cramming food into their mouth. No, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As the band comes up this morning, makes their way back up to finish, I want to share with the theologian John Wayne has to say. Courage is being scared out of your boots and saddling up anyway. Courage is being scared out of your boots and saddling up anyway. That's what John Wayne says. Maybe we should look at what Jesus Christ says. John 16, he says this. I have told you this thing so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, friends. You will have enemies, friends. You will have difficult times. What does he say? But take heart, for I have what? Overcome the world. You see, in John chapter 14, Jesus sits down with his disciples. He has the last supper with his disciples, and he talks with them, and he, and he describes to them what was going to happen to him. And the disciple Thomas, we learn later, they, they call him Doubting Thomas because of what happens. But he asks Jesus, he says, how will we know the way to go when all of this happens? John 14, 6, Jesus says, you will know because I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the conversation continues back and forth and continue to discuss it with each other. And in John 16, chapter th- thir- 16, verse 32 is where this verse comes from. But verse 32, he tells them, you will be scattered in all directions. He says, what you're going to go through is painful. What you're going to go through is going to be difficult. You will be overwhelmed. You'll be scattered everywhere. However, I told you these things so you may have peace. Friends, some of you this morning need peace. See, Jesus doesn't tell us that peace comes because there's no conflict anymore or that peace comes because there's, there's no enemy anymore. No, he says, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. I still want to hold on, but we will let go. I'm still overwhelmed, but we will overcome. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. Dilly, thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we thank you for the way that you transform our minds and renew our thinking, or even revolutionizing perhaps how we approach this life, approach this world. Or as our ushers come forward this morning, this is a time where people are given a chance to respond. Lord, if your, your word this morning has struck some that says, I need to live a life 
a little bit differently. I need to transform my thinking and, and realize that yes, I am scared, yes, I am nervous, yes, I'm confused, but Lord, you will overcome. Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength, give them the courage to love. Lord, there may be others here this morning who don't even have that relationship with you. And I talked at the beginning about three relationships that matter in Christ, the church, the community. They said, I strike, strike, strike. I don't have either, any of those relationships. Lord, we learn in your scripture that greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Lord, you laid down your life for this person today. So if you are here this morning, and you do not have a relationship with Christ, you would like to connect with him, just like Doubting Thomas was told. He said, I don't know which way to go. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Well, I pray that there would be some that would grab a hold of that this morning. Drop a connection card in the offering plate today. Come back and talk to me immediately following this service. Let us make that connection, that relationship, the first relationship and the priority that matters. Lord, others that need to follow through by dropping a connection card in the offering plate that says, will you pray for me in this? There's others that need to, to, to take an action step by saying, I love this church so much that I'm going to contribute financially, even though I've been running away from that for a long time. Also, Lord, I pray that you would give boldness and strength knowing, Lord, that you are the author, the finisher of our faith. Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's all yours, and so we give it back to you. Lord, love can do amazing things. Let us not be someone and something at this church that sounds really good but doesn't, doesn't look so good. We thank you for your word. We trust that you will fill in the rest of the gaps where my own weaknesses have come into play this morning, Lord, that, that your word is more articulate than anything that I would have to say. We thank you for speaking here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.